BYU was without their best player. He continues to be sidelined, suspended the first nine games of the season by the NCAA. But the Cougars still ended up beating UCLA last night at the Maui Invitational 78-63. How did this happen? What went wrong for UCLA? Rest assured, on this episode, we are going to break it all down for you. But first, it's time to welcome you in. Happy Tuesday. It is Locked on Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. I'm on Twitter at Brian Fenley. The email is always open, lockedonbruins at gmail.com. And be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you digest your podcasts. So maybe you watched this game, maybe you heard about it, maybe you checked the score online or whatnot, but it all came down to a major second half run by the Cougars where they went on a 15-2 blitz over a four-minute stretch. How did this happen? Obviously, that's the most pressing point here. Well, the turnovers once again became prevalent for UCLA. That's been an issue lately. They ended up with 13 turnovers in this game. And Mick Cronin had pointed out in the post-game press conference that because of the, the high volume of turnovers, their effect and impact on the team is magnified because both teams like to limit possessions, right? They like to use all of the shot clock. So you're not getting as many opportunities to score. So when you do get them, you have to capitalize. Also, the takeaways ruined the Bruins' chances of once again dominating on the offensive glass. So they they really were not able to enforce their will in the paint. BYU way too much interior scoring. And defensively, there were a lot of breakdowns in the paint. I look at TJ Haas on BYU as a guy who absolutely, you know, torched us defensively from him hitting three balls, coming off a triple screen and, and nailing a three to maybe the play of the game when Haas was dribbling and he was basically going dribbling like a merry-go-round around the key, like looking for an open defend or open teammate, looking for an open teammate. And he in the process was lulling the Bruins interior defense to sleep. And all of a sudden they they focused on him wholeheartedly and they forgot to Take into account that there was a wide-open BYU player underneath the rim. Haas with a pass inside, easy land. So way too many easy buckets for the Cougars, which I don't think is something that should have happened, for one, because the Bruins have more size, they've got more strength, they're bigger, they're more athletic. You should not be giving up that many points in the paint to a BYU team that found a way to score at will in the lane. And not only were they able to score at will in the lane, but they shot 50% from three-point territory. Now, this is the second straight game here where the Bruins have allowed their opponent to shoot 50% from downtown. And a lot of the perimeter scoring was played into it because the drives and kickouts, those were on cue for the Cougars. They also had really nice ball movement. I mean, McCronin jokingly said you would see them, the Cougars, pass it 17 times in a single possession and then finally find a great shot. And what do you know, the guy would knock it down. I, I was interested to hear what Bill Walton said in this broadcast because he was on the call. And he, as he noted, you know, with UCLA being bigger, stronger, and deeper, 
he was wondering why they did not make it a faster game against BYU. Now, that's more of a Steve Alford way of things offensively to push the tempo. But the the half-court offense, as Mick Cronin would describe it, it's a work in progress. I almost look at it as the guys offensively play better offense after an offensive rebound. But if you're getting down the court, and it just seems like nobody knows what to do. And again, that's a little bit of a simplification. But there's just like, okay, are you going to take the shot on this possession? Should we go into the lane? There's just a little bit of indecision and a lack of comfort. And I know that that's going to come with time as these guys become more acclimated with one another and the systems are trying to run but there was a lot of like in the second half a lot of individual play like hey I'm just gonna try to blow by my guy and get a basket and and ended up being a miss or or travel or any sort of turnover and so it was just some hero ball we saw at the end there and some bad habits of the past that the Bruins have to get rid of I was a little concerned about our, our our help you know, down low, secondary help defensively. Obviously, as I pointed out, too many buckets in the paint. Guys were not rotating over quick enough to challenge and contest shots around the rim, given our size advantage. The the offense, as I pointed out, there were drivers, and it was almost like a lot of times they didn't know where they were going. They were driving to the basket out of control, and it was not a high-percentage shot. And so that that was a little bit of an issue that I noticed. I also noticed that David Singleton is not getting enough playing time, in my humble opinion. He only played, I think, about 12 minutes in this game, and Mick Cronin said that there were just a focus on on, on matchups and maybe getting a, a defensive stop, and he didn't feel like Singleton at that point was the best guy to do that. Here, here's, let me, here's, an exa- here's something I want to tell you. We, we, we aren't a really good three-point shooting team right now. And for the second game in a row, we have been absolutely shown up from three-point territory. David Singleton is a guy that you've got to find on the perimeter and take outside shots. You know, if we're going to struggle the way we do shooting the three right now, then we've got to clog the paint. And right now, BYU was able to not only score in the paint, but they were also able to drive and and, and dribble and kick out and get a lot of open threes. They shot 50% from downtown in this game. That is the second straight game where UCLA has allowed an opponent to shoot 50%. And you speak about a lot of those open threes and a lot of open shots in the lane for BYU, and all of that amounted to is 62% from the field in this game. That is a high clip. The Cougars had 40 points in the paint. So that was way too much. Obviously, the ball movement was nice. And we saw a lot of different situations where the Cougars, too easy, were able to drive by their primary defender. And the on-ball defense was not optimal right I mean there were hey I'm going to dribble by my man and then I'm going to get some attention then I'm going to kick it out to a guy who's got an open three and the Cougars are bearing threes 
Bruins at the same time, you know, whether it was a Jules Bernard travel or or Tiger Campbell missing some free throws. I mean, it wasn't one person's fault. Also, Prince Ali at a scary moment in this game. You might have watched this. See, he went down in the second half and he was grimacing in pain, grabbing onto his right ankle. And, and you fear the worst as a Bruin fan. And the training staff came over and they brought him back to the bench. He ended up playing after a couple minutes from being examined. And so that was good news. But that was kind of at the time of the game in the second half when it became deflating for UCLA and their defensive intensity just pitfalled. You know, that was where there was about a 10-minute stretch where they basically just did not become as engaged as they were and did not give them a chance to win this game. And I think I pointed this out earlier, but in that second half, you had a 15-2 a to run after this game was pretty much neck and neck. And now the Bruins don't have a lot of time to, to pity themselves because they've got Chaminade today. So that is a Division II team. You should win that, and hopefully that will help garner some more confidence and get these guys back on the right track. All right, coming up next, Bruin football. Wrapping up their regular season against Cal. Chip Kelly talks about his defense, the injuries. Plus, what is the one player on the offensive side of the ball for Cal who means everything to the way of their offense and the success of this team? We'll talk about that as well. Yesterday, when Chip Kelly spoke to the media, he made it a point to clear up what he said after the game against USC when he talked about how he thought his staff was doing a good job given with what we have, which was kind of... I don't know if that was a knock on the roster or whatnot, but he, he, he basically came out and said, look, that's not what I meant. What I meant was when Chris Barnes came out injured in this game against USC, that hindered a lot of what we do because he said a lot of the calls are dependent on Chris, and he's basically the quarterback of the defense. And so that affected the effectiveness of what the defense was able to do. He, I noticed that Chip Kelly, on a, on a fourth down call, he, he reminisced about that yesterday during the, the practice interview, during practice. He said, I got to get better at making those kind of plays and calling better plays as a coach. So, you know, he's taking some personal, personal responsibility right there. And, you know, then he was asked, obviously, can you brief us on injuries? He said it's going to take a lot to keep Chris Barnes out of this game. Other guys that, that might, you know, be in, be out. They haven't been ruled out for Saturday's game as of today, but Lukeni Toyaloa, another interior a linebacker who went down with an undisclosed injury, and then you had Kenny Churchwell as well. So you're, you're seeing some guys go down at the linebacker spot, but, but here's something to note. Bo Calvert is going to make his season debut. He has been suspended I think it was for academic reasons, and so he'll make his season debut, and they're going to use a red shirt on him, so he'll come back next season and be a red shirt sophomore. So he will be able to, you know, not lose a, a year of eligibility. Uh, he was asked Chip Kelly about like now that you know you're not going to be in a bowl game, 
What is the purpose of this game? What do you want to accomplish? Where do you get your motivation from? And he said, well, it's the seniors. You know, we got to go out and beat Cal, finish this, this season on a good note. Said that, yeah, we don't have a lot of seniors, but the ones that we do have play an integral role on, on this team. And once again, he pointed out on defense against USC that in his estimation, it came down to, look, it, this, it, he was asked once again, how, why did you give up so many yards defensively against USC? He said, look, it, it's, a, it's a marriage between you got to generate a pass rush. And so if you, do, you devote more to the pass rush and then you try to bring more pressure on Keaton Slovis, then that means you trim the guys on the back end and then you put them into some challenging situations and you got to hold the coverage there and make sure they do the job because you're, you're playing zero man behind it. So it, basically what you're trying to ultimately do is get the quarterback off kilter. And, you know, the offensive line for USC did a great job picking up blitzers for UCLA. And because UCLA devoted more guys to the pass rush, then there were a lot of one-on-ones and nice opportunities for Keaton Slovis to, you know, slay us down the field with some, some big throws and some big completions. And Joshua Woods as well, you know, he's going to be one of those seniors for... UCLA playing in his final game and you know he was asked about what this is going to mean to him making you know his last game out there and, and rolling out to the Rose Bowl he talked about the purpose of this and what, what he wants to get out of it on top of the win he said I I personally and this, this is his words he's I'm personally I'm just grateful that I made it through this season healthy knock on wood but you know with all the injuries he's dealt with two different season ending injuries you know, all the self-doubt that came with that, whether or not he would come back and just overcoming a lot in rehabbing and just mentally to stay focused and stay engaged and then to come back the way he has. It says a lot about his perseverance and his strength and his fortitude and his will to support this team. But Joshua Woods was talking about, you know, one of the biggest goals for him on top of the win, obviously, against Cal on Saturday is to leave the field one last time. And to see Joshua Kelly smile at the end of the Cal game. Woods doesn't know what his emotions are going to be like yet. You know, and I'm sure he'll be up against a whirlwind of emotions, the highs and lows, and eventually it will hit him because it did not seem when he spoke yesterday to practice that it had resonated with him yet. You know, the emotions and had not really broadsided him as far as like what this all means this really is my last game all that but I thought it was really telling and really special to hear that Joshua Woods who has been you know such an important piece to this this team for so many years said I just want to finish this game and see Joshua Kelly another senior leave the field with a win with a big smile on his face. And I think we all want to see that. And, you know, it's ever it's hard never to see Joshua Kelly without, you know, he's always smiling, win or lose. But I think for, for Joshua Kelly and his story from, you know, being under-recruited to the battle he got to making UCLA's roster and then becoming, if not the, one of the top running backs in the Pac-12, I think it would just be so special 
and a great kind of bow around this season if you can get that win and let these seniors go on a high note, especially Joshua Kelly and just what a morale booster he is. Speaking of being a booster on the field, Chase Garbers. Have you seen what he's done recently for Cal? Did you see how he orchestrated the Bears back against Stanford last week and winning that rivalry game for the first time in 10 years for Cal? Yeah, we're going to talk about it in just a moment. But first, treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. That's all one word. Listening on the go, if you can't, visit DoorDash right now. You can find this and all other offers from LockedOn sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. It always amazes me how one guy on the football field can influence a game, a season, the morale of a team as much as as some can. And for Cal, that's their quarterback in Chase Garbers. He has dealt with different injuries throughout the course of this season. When he is not in offensively, the Bears are rudderless on the offensive end. They are lifeless. They are rhythmless. And they are 1-5 when he can't play at least two quarters of a game this season. Now, when he can, they're 5-0. and And when he can, overall, they're 10-2. and he plays at least two quarters of a game. The Bears are 10-2. and two. That's a humongous stat. And obviously, he has been backed up by Devon Motster, the former UCLA quarterback. And, you know, he's had some ups and downs, helped the Bears beat Washington State earlier this month. But right now, it's the Chase Garber show. And he has a little bit of Dorian Thompson-Robinson influence because of his ability to run. And against Stanford... He had 72 yards on the ground. And obviously, Cal won that game, and they're feeling really good about themselves coming into Saturday's game against UCLA. Cal, with that win against Stanford, becomes bowl eligible. They beat the Cardinal in that rivalry game for the first time in, I think, 10 years. And so that takes a lot of pressure off the head coach of Cal and Justin Wilcox, who finally is able to do that. And obviously, having... Garber's back takes a lot of pressure off the offense, and you know he's able to really take this offense to another level. And his stats from Saturday, 285 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. I said he had the, the game-high 72 rushing yards. But Stanford was in front here late in the fourth quarter, but it was a chance here for Cowell to take the lead and win the game. Chase Garber's was able to really cement once again how important he means to this team. He goes in there and just plays his best football in that fourth quarter, particularly in that last game-winning drive. He throws a wild throw that is caught to Trayvon Clark, almost a 40-yard grab. Just The throw was on cue. The grab was even better. A couple plays later... Garbers, with less than two minutes left in this game, Stanford leading, but a touchdown would put Cal in front. Garbers, he's going back to pass, and this shows just his ingenuity out there. 
because the initial read here was for him to to link up with a receiver. But nothing looked good from what he saw, so he decided to take off and scramble to his left. And the guy who had an outstanding game receiving, Nico Remigio, who had over 100 yards catching in this game, was the one that made his presence felt in a different way. And he set the perfect block for Chase Garbers to get into the end zone, that wide receiver, Remigio, which propelled Garbers into the end zone and ultimately would put Cal in front for good against Stanford. And so here you have a situation where Remigio had a great game through the air and catching, but none of that as important as a block he put on his or for his quarterback and Chase Garbers that allowed him to seal things. And I will say this really quickly that Cal has had a propensity to come back and win games late. You might remember against the the Huskies earlier this season when Cal was behind by two points in Seattle. Cal got the ball with about two minutes to go at, the, at their own 25-yard line. And with Garbers under center, he engineers the Bears, and they go all the way down the field for the game-winning touchdown. Or excuse me, the game-winning field goal. They were only down by two, so a field goal would have done it. They make the game-winning field goal with eight seconds remaining. Garbers is everything to Cal. And when he's not in there, it's absolute dysfunction. He has a lot of Dorian Thompson-Robinson characteristics that scare me from his running ability as well, and he's become an improved passer. You know who also scares me? On defense for Cal, Evan Weaver leads the nation in tackling. More on him tomorrow, plus basketball chatter. Thank you all for spending part of your day with us. I never take your time for granted. I'm Brian Fenley.